visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted today to welcome to the show Peter McCoppin, a maestro of music, a wonderful symphony orchestra conductor who had a change of focus in his life, still a wonderful musician and conductor, but is now uh, looking to help people in understanding how they can be a part of this grand awakening to come. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Peter. It's a privilege to be here. So I'd love love to hear you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and also what led you to make this very significant change in your life uh, not so long ago. Thank you so much. Well, for 30 years, uh, I've been an orchestral conductor conducting on four continents, and I feel very grateful to have had that privilege to have worked across Australia and uh, throughout North America, Mexico, parts of Europe, and, uh, and then also across Asia. So that's, that's one part of my work. And then I did spend a fair bit of time also doing some host broadcasting, national radio and television and so forth, and now I'm doing some uh, key, keynote speaking as well. What I realized with all of those, those pursuits was that, yes, I was reaching a, a large audience, and that was very that was very gratifying. I was doing something that I deeply loved and I was passionate about. I was communicating. Communication to me was so essential, and, and to be a communications facilitator is something that's really central to my whole being. But I wanted to build a closer and more intimate relationship uh, with people, spiritually intimate, where my work would actually have a direct influence uh, in their life where I could help them to support themselves in discovering their own personal power, uh, awakening their own, their own experience of their, their worth and intention. And so uh, the shift that really came for me started back around 2001. Um, just uh, the years before that, I'd been music director of the Victoria Symphony in British Columbia, Canada, and in the Charlotte Symphony in North Carolina. So concentrating primarily on music. And then I decided in 2001 that uh, I, I really wanted to make a conscious change, an intentioned change. There had come an opportunity while I was in Charlotte to work with a senior executive in the Duke Energy Corporation in a, at a, a time of her uh, career transition. Her name is Sue Becht, and she was, uh, she was challenged in as much as she had, uh, had a, a long-time dream to become uh, the, uh, the director of investor relations for the Duke Energy Corporation. And when, when that job became available, 
she looked at the job description and realized that the central to it, or hugely part of it in that job description, was to speak in public on behalf of the company. She was an analyst. That was her training. She, she was a financial analyst. She'd been, she was great with spreadsheets and things of this sort, but, but actually communicating with that kind of immediacy and passion and power was something she had not learned to do. And so she approached me to, to actually to develop a, a program, a course, uh, that, that she could take to build her communication skills and essentially to overcome her fear in that area. And so many people are fearful to speak in public. Anyway, so I responded to that. I, I developed a program for her, and the long and the short of it was that she then, back in 1997, uh, took the, accepted that job. She gave her first speech. It was very successful. She then, then invited me to work with a, a cross-section of the vice president tier of Duke Energy with, for that same program. And, and that was so gratifying to work with people to really help them to discover something within themselves that made a dramatic change in their life altogether, not only professionally, but personally. Then when it came to 2001, I, I, I decided to move away from being a music director, which, which involved not only conducting concerts, but also all kinds of things like fundraising and, and also the, 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 the hiring and firing of musicians, all these types of things. And I wanted to focus more on one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and leadership training and so forth that, that would really speak to the heart of people. And so I made that, that intention shift, and it's been so gratifying ever since. And yet, wrapped up in that, you've already talked very briefly there about the fear that she had, and, and public speaking is something, one of the biggest fears that people have. But obviously, this must have triggered some uh, reservations and fears in, in yourself making this shift. Peter, I came to the realization that in my own life, fear had been such a driving force. And uh, from, the, from the very beginning of my life, um, not that my life is any greater or any less than, than any other, or that my circumstances is, is more outstanding or grave than any other people face. But in my own personal life, when I was a young person at the age of 11, I lost my mom. No one had talked to me and, and said that, that she was actually dying. Her, her death was a, a huge surprise to me. And the following year, 13 months later, I lost my grandmother. Um, uh, and, and in many ways, to whom I was even, even closer uh, in my family home, uh, I was the youngest of three. My dad was a good, good fellow. He, he certainly he did his best to keep his family together, but he too was driven by his own fears. And uh, as a role model, he, he was a person who was, um, I think he saw himself more as a victim than as, than, and, and a servant rather than, and we all do want to serve, but not to be a servant, rather than as someone who was really living his intention and his passion. And so I, I grew up in a household where I felt, uh, I felt quite unsafe and insecure. And I'm sure that many of our listeners could relate to that as well. I see that now as a gift because I realize that in, that, in, in addressing my fears throughout my life, I've challenged myself. I've actually come to know myself more intimately. And I've, I've intentionally uh, built the skills through, through growing awareness to, to, to master my fears, uh, recognizing that those fears perhaps never vanish, and, but, but to recognize that also and to appreciate that, that courage is not the absence of fear, nor is it the resistance to fear, it's the mastery of fear. And it's a choice that we all have. And that fear is, is in so many ways compromising our, 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 own, our own worth, our contribution to our, our communities, to our fellow man, 
and, and, and it, it limits us in the ways that we can show up fully in our authenticity, our authentic, our authentic self and presence to be of value, not only to us, but to, our, to those people around us. And so I see, it, see the, the challenge to fear is something that, that is it, it's really a gift to all of us, and it's something that, that to, to which we, all, we would all hopefully measure up. So when you are working with people, and, and clearly, we, as you say, we all have our own fears to, first of all, recognize that they're, they're actually our fears that, they're, that are driving uh, often our self-sabotaging way, way of being, and first like, recognizing and acknowledging and then working through them. So how, how do you actually achieve that when you're working with people? Well, first of all, I would motivate them. I would ask them the question, uh, first of all, what, how do you see fear in your own life? How do you see it compromising your own behavior, your actions, and so forth? Many people are unaware of how fear-based many of their, their, their behaviors actually are. And when we get more intimate with that, then, um, then I would say to them, well, how would you feel one year, five years, ten years from now, if you don't address those fears? In other words, to motivate yourself, how would you, how would you feel if, if, you, if, you, if you don't address that? And they, typically people would say, well, you know, I would feel, I'd feel pretty poorly about myself that I, I, I had I, I, in so many ways wasted my opportunity, wasted my skills and talents, or at least it compromised and diminished them because I, I didn't really, really didn't take a position for myself. And then, I would, and then I would say, well, how would you feel if you actually made the step and started right today to tackle those fears and, and to, to, to master those fears? How would you feel in, in, in a month, in a year, in 10 years from now? They say, well, I'd feel, I'd feel wonderful about myself, that I'd actually had the courage and the resolve to, to make that step. And then, then the, the next thing is I'd say, well, that being the case, um, let, let's look at, let's, how, let's, uh, let's uh, refocus our, our attention on fear and let's redefine it, our perception of fear altogether. And I said, for example, do you realize that the physical indications of fear and excitement are virtually the same? So accelerated pulse, accelerated heart rate, uh, increased blood pressure, uh, heightened concentration, increased adrenaline, and so forth. So you say, oh, that's, that's, that's quite fascinating. And I'd say, and think about some people in history, people living in these current times, and how they have spoken about fear in their own life, and how they have embraced that fear rather than pushed it away. For example, Oprah Winfrey, we think about her life, and what a what a model of kindness and magnanimity she is in the world. Here was Oprah Winfrey, a black woman, not African-American, a black woman, a woman who grew up in the southern United States, who suffered from all the aspersion of bigotry and so forth, who at the age of 10 was raped by family members, who then chose to address her fears, to galvanize her intention, and to really dig deep into herself, not to avoid, but to dig deep into herself and to push herself forward. I remember her having a conversation with, with Larry King once, and, and he said to her, you, you've come through you know, a really hard life. You've created a magnificent life for yourself. Is there anything that you would change in your, in your past? She said, she said, no, because everything in my past has made me the person that I am today. So she saw... Her, her, her challenge, she saw uh, 
great difficulty and, and if not grief and, and strife in her life as a gift, a gift to really test her own mettle. And she said it was her fear of being unworthy that actually drove her forward. Ted Turner, a, a very accomplished person in his, his own career, said it was his fear of failure that actually drove him to great, great things and great achievement. And we can think about, I think about the number of athletes. It's rather fascinating. Um, I had a, in my course at one point, my leadership course, a man who'd been a volunteer for the Calgary Olympics, uh, the Winter Olympics. And uh, he spoke to the whole group that, that was there, and he said, you know, at the top of the slalom course, you'll see that little enclosure. And, uh, and you may assume that that enclosure is there actually to, uh, to uh, protect the athletes from wind. And it's actually there for the benefit of the television cameras. And he said, that's not the case at all. That enclosure is there so that the athletes have some place to go privately to throw up because they're so scared before they go on that slalom race. In other words, that, that fear is actually an indication to them that they're taking their responsibility so seriously. It, it becomes visceral. It, it, it intensifies their awareness. It, it, it strengthens their commitment and their resolve. So when we see fear as, as rather a, a positive asset than a negative impediment, that change of perception really propels us in a whole new direction, a positive direction. Peter, on that note, I, re I recall very strongly, very vividly, when I was uh, playing rugby seriously in the changing rooms before the 15 guys went out on the field uh, to go into mortal combat. Uh, there were all sorts of uh, incredibly powerful uh, demonstrations of that fear in the changing rooms. And uh, as you say, if you, if you were not in that place of right on the edge of being able to cope with the feelings that you were having inside, that was the that was the moment when you went out on the field and you knew you were going to have a, a brilliant game because it was all there, right on the edge for you to work with. Uh, it's, a, it's a great great expression of what we're talking about today. We're going to be going to our first break in a moment, and uh, um, obviously when we come back, we're going to get Peter to explain to us how we can translate that understanding of our fear and, and actually convert it into uh, our future leadership in the world. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. just want to remind you of our sponsors and my own involvement in www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. Uh, the most recent events that are taking place through My Heart Centered Journey is our work with the Landscape Zodiacs. And last Sunday uh, in Victoria, we had a phenomenal day with about 50 people involved in working with uh, the landscape zodiac and the first astrological sign which was and is until tomorrow actually Aries um, and I will be reporting back on those experiences on our ambassadors of light class on April the 28th because there are uh, a group of people who are going to be doing the landscape zodiac uh, involvement uh, through the ambassadors of light program where we can address all of our internal fears and worries and concerns and move on to a path of enlightenment through this really beautiful structure that we have discovered over this 12-month period. So please do check out myheartcenteredjourney.com. I have with me today Peter McCoppin, who was talking in the first segment about fears and, and overcoming our fears. So Peter, I'd love to hear you now talk a little bit more directly about your own fears and, and how you overcame them. Thank you. Well, certainly in my own, my own life, as I started out uh, as a child, I, I talked a little bit about my, about my childhood. And, for example, my father said to me, and I say this with, with kindness to, about him, he's no longer with us, he said to me, be an everyday Joe and live within your means. In other words, be, be ordinary, don't stand out, and, and, and think, think small, behave small. That, that was the role model to, that, was, that was given to me um, from my father. Fortunately, I had surrogate parents, so to say, people who came into my life who provided guidance and inspiration that, 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 that would really uh, catalyze my, my digging into myself, my own passion and love. And that first love was for music. As a small child, uh, I, someone, not I, discovered that I had a singing voice, and I think I sang my first solo on the what was called then the public address system in my public school when I was uh, when I was six, and I joined an Anglican choir, and I eventually became head boy in that choir and and sang uh, sang solo in the church and so forth. So the music, in so many ways, it defined me. It, it, it and and I found myself through the agency of that music. Music was would then become huge in my life. But the thing was that I had no background to, to, to become a musician. You know, we, we, I grew up in a house that was, we didn't have very much money, and I didn't study the, the piano and with masterful teachers and so forth. And so in so many ways, I, I was moving forward in my life with a, with a passion, but without the background or the foundation really to make a career. Um, I, I took piano lessons in a in a class with five other people. I think we had a one-hour class, five people, each was supposed to play his or her little piece during that time. One wouldn't say that it was really intense learning for me at that, at that stage. And yet eventually I got to the point, I thought, now I've been, I've been in the church, I've heard the organ, I want to learn to play the organ. And with a, with a very crude technique, 
I, I just, but with a will force and, and a love of music, I, I applied myself. And eventually uh, I attracted a, a couple of people who would teach me, teach me the organ. And with, I would say almost with brute force, I learned how to play the instrument well enough that eventually I, I, I played actually on, on national radio and, and television here in Canada. Didn't hear a proper symphony concert until I was 18, but again, the passion, the love that I had for the music was that which was going to give me the courage to pursue that career. And what I, what I learned is that in, in the course of, of, of just moving through my own fears is that how important it was to focus not on myself, but on what I, what I wanted to do. In other words, focus on my purpose and not on me. But the fear generally was, arose when I became preoccupied with, with myself and, and how others would perceive me, uh, either reject or, or accept me. It was all about ego. And when ego, when I pushed that away and focused more on my intention than on my own self-interest, then I, could, then I really showed up. And the other thing that I found, too, was... I realized that more in hindsight is always focusing on where I wanted to be rather than where I was and never to lose faith, never ever to lose faith and never ever to give up, uh, to see every, uh, every opportunity and, and every stumbling block really as a learning, as a learning possibility. And uh, that's really what kept me going. The other evening, I just by chance was watching a film with Paul Newman, well, a well-known film, uh, The Verdict. And in that film, when he's presenting to the jury at the end, obviously a case where the injustice has been, has been railed against an innocent person, and he being rather deflated because he's come through a career where he's had many, many failures and so forth, and his, his summary to, or to, the, to, the, uh, to the jury speaks as much of his own situation as it does to the case which is before them. And he says, he says, you know, sometimes we feel so small. We feel we have no power. We feel we might as well just give up. But he said, I remember those words. Those were actually biblical words. Act as if ye have faith. Act as if ye have faith. And when I think back to my own life, really unwittingly, and just intuitively, instinctively, I always acted as if I had faith. And that has, that's been the key at least for me, to, to, to overcome fear. Do I have fear today? Absolutely. Do I, but I have also a choice in how I address it, and that's the difference. And, and in addressing those fears, uh, clearly you've developed some really important skills along the way which are helping you in your work today. So talk a little about the skills that have arisen from those fears. Well, the skills definitely have to do are our own choice, and that speaks to behavior. And I think the first thing is, in regard in regard to fear, is is really to to set our own internal compass. In other words, it seems to me that so oftentimes we're waiting for for external influences to tell us actually who we are and of what worth we have and and what should be our direction. I think we, should, we, we need to, to turn that around. And the first thing I would say, and I do this in all of my leadership courses as well, I say to people, please introduce yourself and tell us, how would you like to be respected and remembered? Let's go back to the core essence of who, who you are. 
And with that, people would then come to identify their core values, their heart values, that which is non-negotiable, which is central to their whole existence. And I find it amazing that many times I'll, I'll say to people, do you have strong values and principles? Oh, yes. Well, what are they? Oh, let me just think now. I'm not really quite sure. And until we have actually taken the time to identify our core values, and when then we are selecting and electing behaviors and actions consistent with those values, that builds confidence. The word with faith, confidence, and courage, kuragare, to, to deliver with heart in ourselves. So when we, when we are living then with that intention and that specificity in chosen behaviors, the next thing I would say to people is, what is your central intention? What's the one behavior that epitomizes your purpose on the planet, in which you show up in your authentic presence and your fullest, your best self? I'd say in my case, it is to encourage. Whether I'm encouraging people as a coach, as a teacher, as a partner, as, as a keynote speaker, orchestral conductor, host broadcaster, in any of those cases, I'm showing up in my, in my most impassioned behavior. And so now that we have a central intention, when we identify that in ourselves and, and on our core values, we put together then a vision statement for our life. That's our North Star. That's where we're heading. So we have a base of values, a foundation of our own personal values, which we have identified and specified. We have our central intention, which are, is our North Star. Between that, those two points, north and south, so to say, we have a taut line. That is, that is the line by which we will keep ourselves centered. We keep ourselves tethered to that line. And then intentionally to ask ourselves, now I can go here or there. I'm at a crossroads right now. Which choice actually is grounded in my values? Which choice directs me to my, to my ultimate vision? And in that way, we are, we are living our own intention, not reactively, but rather responsively. We are, taking, we are taking a position for ourselves from that centered place. Joseph Campbell said, live from your center. Martha Graham said, the great American choreographer said, your center makes you move. In all of the martial arts, we find our seat of power, our center from which we will not be shaken. And I think too many of us are, are just reacting to external influences rather than finding that center. The next thing I would say is, what are, what are your priorities? I ask myself, what are my priorities? Because I feel that if I want to find work-life balance, something about which most people talk and few people define, then I'm going to be living my priorities aligned to my personal values. And if I'm in that place, living my priorities aligned to my values and committed to my central intention, then I'm going to be showing up in my authentic self, to which extent then I will be confident and courageous. And I think the final thing is, in, in setting this internal compass, our internal compass, is to write our own eulogy. Our eulogy will be spoken by someone other than ourselves. It will be the effect that we have, have had on other people's lives, not, not, not the accumulation and, and fame and, and glory that we maybe have drawn to ourselves. No, no, that's quite unimportant. But what have we done for someone else? How have we expressed our compassion and encouragement to another? How has our life been measured in how it's shown up in the, the, the spiritual evolution of another? That, to me, is the only worth. A friend of mine said to me recently, the life everlasting is not in the hereafter. Rather, it's in the lasting memories we have left in the hearts and souls of people we've touched along the way. 
when we write our eulogy, we, again, we really define a North Star. This is not the person we are. This is the person we are intentioned to become. And when we have that focus and we are looking at that end state, that end goal, focusing on that, then I believe we galvanize our courage and build our confidence. Pity, you've used an expression I'd love you to expand on a little bit a couple of times already in the show today, and I personally think it's really, really important. That's why I'm bringing it up. But I want to ask you about the expression authentic self and authentic presence. Just talk about that a little bit. Thank you. Well, in our authentic self, <clears throat> I believe that we are really, we are really uh, communicating and presenting out of our, our, our spiritual essence not that which is the, 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 the facade or the appearance of us, but really the true essence of us, and that which sources from, from all creation. That is our, 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 our spiritual manifestation, which, which connects us mystically, mysteriously, beautifully, wondrously to all things living. And uh, it's, it's a matter of, of just releasing the ego and being then fully committed to, to, to really to, to live with love, to be governed by love. Um, and, and, and that in itself is, is, a, is, is a clear measure and mechanism to, to mastering our fear and to being true in our person. I think it was Teilhard de Chardin who said, we are not, uh, we are not people on a spiritual journey. We are, we are spirits in a human experience. Words to that effect. Exactly that. And not to speak of that in any kind of pretentious or highfalutin way, but rather just quite modestly, uh, that the, in, in our authentic self, we are just living in our own truth. And that, in, indeed, in that truth, we have freedom. And in that truth, we are utterly connected one to another. And when, when two people come together in that authentic self and are fully present with each other is that beautiful moment when the souls recognize each other and connect with each other. It's that beautiful moment, isn't it? Oh, that's the communion of saints. There's nothing more, there's nothing more lovely than that. that that's uh, that recognition, uh, somehow identifying with the other, not, not externally, but deeply felt internally. And, and that, is such, that is such an affirmation of confidence. It's, 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 that, that is, yeah, that's, that is beyond words. Wonderful. And it's also the moment when you, as the as the supporter or the the, the the counselor, actually has the opportunity to see the bright light inside the other person, and that's where your statement of encouragement comes in to support the other person. Having a fascinating discussion with Peter McCopping today, and when we return after this next break, we're going to be talking about how this translates into leadership. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. 
Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to remind most of you and, and let uh, the others know that I'm involved uh, as a guest myself on uh, New Wealth Evolution this evening at 5 o'clock. 21 master spiritual teachers talking about their own awareness and expertise. And I'm going to be talking this evening about the journey that I've just been on in this beautiful unraveling path of the alchemical transformation through working with the beautiful landscapes different structures and patterns that exist for us to connect with and work with in our uh, enlightening path. So I do uh, welcome you to join me. The website is www.newwealth2012.com and I will be on live tonight at 5 p.m. West Coast time. You can pick up the show uh, archived eventually. Uh, So check out www.newwealth2012.com. And now back to my guest today, Peter McCoppin, who uh, we've just been talking about uh, how we address our fears, how we embrace our fears, how we develop the skills necessary to take us onto the next path of our life. And now, now, Peter, I'd love to hear you talk about something dear to your own heart, I know, which is leadership. Thank you so much. Well, I have in my own life been in a position of leadership Uh, I would say that occasionally I have led well and other times I have not. It took me quite a while to really identify and to learn what leadership in fact was. And that is that leadership is not a title nor a privilege. It's not hierarchical. Leadership is simply behavior. It's a behavior which is learnable. It's It's a skill which can maybe practiced and increased through application and diligence and uh, and perseverance. And what is, that, what is that behavior? What is leadership? The ability to inspire and to excite human potential. And when I, th- when I think about it, if we even go back in history, uh, not so long ago, for, ex- for example, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, African-American, a, a black woman in the city of Chicago in the late 60s, the first person in history first black person, American in, in history, to say, I'm not going to the back of the bus. I'm just not, I just, I refuse to do that. She didn't do that in any kind of belligerent way, militant fashion, not at all. She was, talking about authentic presence, she was speaking out of her authentic purpose. She served a purpose higher than herself. She was speaking to the common good, to to a value of fairness and justice for all. And in that she found courage. In other words, away from ego towards something greater than self. Interconnectedness, interconnectedness, and the affirmation of interconnectedness is really the key to courage and to mastering fear, I'm convinced. 
And, and she, as much as Martin Luther King, changed the course of history. And so I'm thinking, as far as leadership is concerned, uh, that each and every one of us has the opportunity to lead. In other words, to take time to listen to people, to hear their stories, and to encourage them to show up in their best self, to, to believe in them, to, to hold them big, and, and to support them in their journey, to give them a safe place to land as they are challenged and as they, as, as they, they face and address their fears and as they move forward in their own life. It's, it's, a, it's a great privilege. It's a great gift. So how do we actually help people to, to de- develop their own leadership skills? This is a, a process, the process, first of all, of building, <clears throat> first of all, mastering one's, or mastering, at least get to, to the large extent, governing oneself with intention. And that would be through, uh, through building character for leadership. When Gandhi said we must be the change we wish to see in the world, we have to model the behaviors that we would wish to inspire in others. We have to show them by example uh, what, what, what may be possible that for people to, do, to discover in their own unique fashion. And so uh, to do so, uh, first of all, to do so through a process of uh, self-reflection, uh, self-examination, then self-governance and self-direction. So first this inquiry, to go back as I was starting earlier with this setting in a central intention and, and a vision statement for one's life, and then to pay attention to our own behavioral patterns. For example, we criticize in others what we fear in ourselves. So to, to discover, to, to establish a, a, a method of discovery, to say, what, what is it in, in, my, in my criticism of this other person that tells me something about me? And to increase that self-awareness and then accountability in our own behavioral choices. Um, we teach people how to treat us, to examine our own codependence and behaviors in that area. Uh, our reactions to others tell us more about us than they do about them. So basically everything that is happening, so to say, within our own person is all about us one way or the other. So to look at that with love, with compassion for ourselves, and then to, to see the behavioral patterns and habits that, we've, that we have built, and then to, to choose the, the, the different results that we want in our lives and to determine the behaviors that will get us there. Then mindfully to select and choose those behaviors that will get us to a different place. And over time, we build a different habit of, of behavioral pattern and, uh, and, and, and choose to move in a different direction. I think the next thing is, is to ask ourselves continually um, to, 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 to stand back and pay attention to people, to get out of our own heads and out of our own uh, self-preoccupation, just to stop and observe, pay attention, pay attention to, the, to people's behaviors, to their feelings, allow ourselves to feel that empathy, to feel into them, and to be responsive to them, to listen to what are their interests, to, to hear their challenges, and then to help them to discover, hopefully in, in, in the most subtle way, to discover the way that they can, they can meet their challenges and to move forward. To, I think that, that lead, true leadership is, is, uh, is all about compassion and encouragement, and leadership in itself is, is not conspicuous. It shows up in evidence. I can think of John Maxwell. He, he wrote such a, a lovely, uh, lovely statement. He said, 
relate well enough to people, relate well enough to communicate with their hearts, that uh, think well enough to, so as to challenge and expand their minds, work well enough to put tools in their hands. It was all about the other. It was all about the other in service. And I think it was Stephen Farber who said, he had such a wonderful definition of leadership. He said, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Because when we do what we love, again, love being the most magnificent force in all of creation, love which energizes uh, and nourishes uh, life itself in every which way. When we do what we love, we pour our hearts into our activity with unbridled commitment, passion, and fervor, with courage and intention. It's in the service of people, therefore, it's ethically bound, morally defined, and serves a purpose higher than ourselves. It's away from, the, from our own ego, but it serves a higher purpose. And people love what we do because our values consistently show up in our chosen actions and behaviors. That, to me, is fabulous. Leadership, I think, is, is, is a choice. It can show up in the subtlest ways. Just uh, go, checking out at a grocery counter and when when someone in front of us might be inappropriate in their, the way that they speak to the cashier person and, and, and say, excuse me, excuse me for interrupting, but, you know, your behavior is really not very respectful and appropriate. That is leadership. It doesn't have to be grandiose or spectacular. It, it speaks to, to the fairness and, and the common good of all. It's, it, it's inclusive in nature, and it calls forth the best of what we have to offer with respect and compassion. Now, Pity, you've actually attracted into your world some really interesting young uh, people, entrepreneurial-type people who are moving into this, uh, this world of, of conscious creation in terms of business and helping people in the world. And uh, it's just beautiful to see. And, and when some, some uh, people in the world have a bit, a bit of a negative view about, about the young people of today, I'd just love you to... Uh, give a couple of general examples without being too specific of some of the things that the sort of 20, 30-year-olds that you've come across in your world, the sort of things that they're attempting to do in the world today. Well, thank you for saying that. Well, I can think of a number, and I'll, I'll speak of them by name because they, uh, they're very dear to me, and I, I hold them in the highest regard. Uh, I'm first associated uh, with, with my two associates, David and Matthew. Uh, David is 21. Matthew is 26. And what I admire and respect in them so much is their commitment continually to learn, to live a life of service where they, they're, they're intentioned to help people to create their stories. In other words, to find worth and, and, and wonder and beauty in their own lives. And to go from that place and that, then to, to call that their work and their purpose, uh, to live absolutely aligned to their values. And, to, uh, and only to engage in relationships where people share in the same values and that those, those values build such a sense of community, collaboration, and support one to another. So David and Matthew, they, they are huge in my lives. I can think of a person named Lauren, and uh, Lauren is 22 years old. She hails from South Africa, and she's lived in Victoria. Uh, her parents are here. She's taken courses in um, uh, permaculture and sustainability in Sweden. She is, is giving her life to that, 
to 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 working in that area where to show people that that they too can be uh, autonomous in 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 food production and in uh, really uh, inspiring others within their communities to do the same to to build uh, partnerships where we're working with nature as opposed to controlling nature. Uh, she's she's doing amazing things, and I admire her very much. Mathieu Réaume, also in in his uh, his work, he's he's in, he's also a person just in his twenties, and again wanting to establish relationships in trust, relationships that ha- that that are not defined by materialism or acquisition or or anything of that sort, but rather building relationships and trust in which there is mutual learning where, where it's, their, their intention is all towards value-based actions and, and in, in, in building community effort to mutual benefit. These, these are, I could go on and on. There, there are several people like this who are just outstanding, and none of them carry with, with them any sense of entitlement, uh, or privilege, not at all. They're, they're here to give to the world, to bring to the world, and to enhance the quality of the experience of those around them. Thank you. for I, Those are inspiring words, because I also come across people in that generation who are clearly ready to make a difference in our world, and, and it's wonderful to be associated with them. We're coming up to our final break on our show, Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter McCoppin. We'll return in a few moments. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just a reminder to check out www.myheartcenteredjourney.com for the Ambassadors of Light program. And if you'd like to hear me speak uh, this evening, 5 o'clock West Coast time, with Jenneth Blackhurt, uh, please go to www.newwealth2012.com, newwealth2012.com. And while I'm on websites, I will give you Peter McCoppin's website, my guest today, which is www.petermccoppin.com. 
McCoppin spelt M-C-C-O-P-P-I-N, www.petermccoppin.com. And you can see his name on the, on the header of the webpage as well. And so, Peter, I know that you've been having a very interesting time writing your book recently. Tell us about that. Thank you so much. Well, I, this is actually my, my third, third attempt. <laughs> so, again, perseverance further. <laughs> Don't give up. I, I, about a year ago, I, I started to write a book or, and did write a book on leadership, and it didn't, really, it didn't really speak. And then last December, I started to write a book, and that was about, I thought it was about, at least, uh, leadership or possibly communication or authentic presence. Nevertheless, there were many things that, elements that were, that were woven through that that would speak to each of those three. And then I realized only within the past week that the book that I needed to write and, and that, in which I would just tell my own personal story and my own journey through which I all, and share then the learnings which I had realized along the way would be a book about mastering fear. And it's, it's fascinating. The book that I, that I did write, <laughs> the second go-round anyway, was 115 pages, 32,000 words, and that was written over two months. Well, within eight days, I've written 60 pages because it's just a matter of speaking in the first person and, and telling my own story, not to draw attention to me, but rather than just to, to, to candidly and appropriately share my journey and say, this is what I've learned, this is how I would like to support you in your journey as well. So just explain to us, Peter, the difference. I'd love to hear the difference between writing that first book and the one that you're writing now in terms of... Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I think the first, book, the first book was coming from a, a teacher's point of view or whatever, and it was all very theoretical and very academic and so forth. But when we talk about authenticity, I believe we have to have the courage just to present ourselves fairly. Someone said to me recently that a great definition of maturity would be the courage to be understood and the consideration to understand. I think it, to, to, to really earn people's trust and confidence, we have to have the candor and the courage just to present ourselves plainly, to say, yes, I, this, this is my struggle, this, this is how well I, I, this is what I have learned along the way, this is what I, I would like to share with you. And that it's, it's modeling a behavior in that way. So this, uh, this current book, which will come to fruition, I'm sure, it speaks from the first person. It's, it's born out of my own experience, and I, I'm just speaking plainly, warts and all, this is my life, this is what I've learned. I hope it can be of value to you. So it's the shift from the head to the heart. Oh, totally. The, absolutely. And, and really, and, and again, I would say it's a shift from, from fear to love. Because in the head, one is, is, is rather theoretical and protective and so forth. When we speak from the heart, there's, we, we're coming from a, a place of modesty and, and a place of deep care, both for ourselves and for others. And we are affirming the interconnectedness of all of us. The heart, yes, and love, that's it. And so to do so uh, with, with generosity and with intention. So what does, that, what, does that, what does that actually feel like when you're writing compared to the previous uh, exercise? Beautiful question. Thank you. Uh, it, it's, it, well, in the first place, I, I feel uh, an, an enthusiasm, a beautiful word, in-spiritedness, enthusiasm in its etymological origin, an enthusiasm, an excitement um, that, that, that is just, that's just uplifting. I, I, I speak about fear, and so there, 
I, I talk about, for example, right in the book, I talk about the very moment when, when I learned of my mother's death. And uh, I hadn't been expecting this at all, and this was July, July 5th, to, uh, 1959, and how a, a preacher came to my aunt's home where I was staying. He invited me into a conversation, and he said exactly this, Peter, you have the, the name of a man of the Bible. Your mother is dead. And with that news, I fell to the ground, just fell down, and, and, I, and I was just dumbfounded. And I said, the pain that I felt then is, is immediate with me in this second, that, as I write, as it was then. So there is that, it, it's visceral, it's full on, uh, it, it's true. Absolutely. Well, thank you, for, thank you for going into your heart. Now, we don't have that much time left on the show, and you've given us a tremendous amount of information today. So I'd love for you to be able to give us uh, a little bit of a summary of what you've said today in terms of uh, your closing statements, as it were. Thank you. Well, in the first place, every one of us has fear. As Marianne Williamson said, we, we come into this world where with love we learn or are taught fear. Our challenge, our gift, our privilege is to return to love. That takes that takes tremendous, tremendous commitment. And I think the thing is that so many of us are bound up in our own fears and are unaware of the fact that, that, that are not mindful enough that other people around us are just in this inf infected or uh, affected by this, that same level of fear. So to show compassion, to suffer with, is a wonderful way to build bridges of trust to people around us and to encourage them to show up and to find a safe place in our spirit. The second thing I'd say simply in terms of leadership, that every one of us has the privilege, the privilege and, and the great gift to, to, to lead in the sense of inspiring and exciting the best in the potential of those around us. And I would encourage everyone to look for opportunities every day in the smallest ways just to give people a hand up and, and to help them to discover their greatness because it is there. In the Tibetan language... The, the greeting is Tashidele, it, and it's the only way to say hello, as we know, and it means I recognize the greatness which is in you. I, I, I hope that we go forth and that we continually look for the greatness in those around us. It is there in abundance. Well, Peter, that's a, that's a beautiful closing, and, and I know that in your work that's exactly what you do, and I really appreciate that the work you are doing with people to help them uh, their, their greatness to emerge from within with, with some assistance. So I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us. And Peter, I thank you so much for your care and your loving spirit to provide this forum for the benefit of, of, of many. Thanks so much. Well, another full and, and uh, thought-provoking thought show, which I hope you've enjoyed with my guest Peter McCopping. You can find his work on www.petermccopping.com. Uh, please do remember to tune in tonight to my show on www.newwell2012.com. My guest next week will be Rita Jerez, who is an expert on the astrological changes that we are facing currently in the world, and she will be demonstrating and, and uh, showing us how we can move into the flow of the age of Aquarius rather than getting ourselves wrapped up in the tumult of the emotions of all of the transitions that are taking place in the world today and ties in very nicely with Peter's words today talking about the fears that we can transmute and transform 
and take us into a place of certainty and confidence and become leaders in the world. Uh, do follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, I look forward to next week. Have a wonderful week. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring please join host peter tong for another edition of awakening to conscious creation next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific time on seventh wave network